You're listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. Hey guys, what's going on? Hope that you are having an absolutely fantastic week. This week we had guest speaker Amy Mitchell bring an incredible word as we are continuing in this series, The Worship Playlist. Go ahead and check out what she had to say this week. Um, Well, you guys, it is such an honor and a thrill to be able to be in this room. Um, Something that I keep on thinking about in this last week, I have been asking myself this question. So when I was from like 18 to 24, 23, 24, I like didn't come to college age. That like wasn't a thing. And I keep on asking myself, what in the world? Why didn't I come for so long? Because this has just been the sweetest community. This has been just the most wonderful thing to to get to know people and to build a healthy Jesus-centered community. And so that is just like one of the most treasured things. And I just know, and I just want to applaud Evan and Larissa for just how they have, have definitely built an amazing team. So thank you. Thank you for all that you guys have done. Um, yeah, so I'm just really excited to jump in to tonight and yeah, just t- talk about what God has put on my heart. Um, right now I'm not wearing any shoes for those of you who can see that I'm not wearing any shoes. Um, I was wearing these really cute espadrilles and they broke three times in three different places today. And I was like, I guess we're going shoeless. So you may now refer to me as the shoeless wonder. That's me. That's me. Um, yeah, so let's just pray and we'll jump right in. Wow, Jesus, I am completely in awe of you. I love you, Jesus. I want to live my life patterned after the call that you have placed on me. Father, I wanna wanna be an empty vessel for you to speak through tonight because you are worth it. You're You're worth every single risk. You're worth every single leap of faith. And so God, tonight, will you just let me be empty for you? Um, and Father, will you just bring your presence into this place? Let us, let us glean from what you have to say and let my words simply be yours. We love you, Jesus. We want more of you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. So we have been in a series recently right now called The Worship Playlist, and boy, has it been amazing. I've been here over the last couple of weeks, and man, Evan just like, man, he just brings a word, and it is fantastic. And so it was an honor when he asked me to speak, and one, I was like, wow, on May 4th, May the 4th be with you, what a strong day, like, wow. Um, and so I was like, yes, I will definitely do that, thank you so much. Um, and the song that I decided to choose is called House of Miracles by Brandon Lake. And the reason why I chose this song is because it's vastly important where we dwell. It's vastly important where we dwell, and it is vastly important what we speak over where we dwell. And so I'm just going to jump right into the first two verses, and it starts with, Come alive. This is a house of worship. This is a place of praise where every demon trembles, where we proclaim your name. This is a house of healing. Our hearts are full of faith. You have our full attention. You have the final say. And so as I was listening to this song, there were some specific questions that arose as I was prepping through this sermon as I was listening to it. And the first two questions that I had was, where are you dwelling and what are you speaking? Where are you dwelling and what are you speaking? You see, I think this song really drew me because I think houses and homes are very important. Not just because it's where we live and sleep and eat and drink, but it's because they reflect a piece of who we are. 
I love interior design. If you've been over to my house, you know it's the cute um, because of my love for thrift shopping and design. And it's, it's something that, that I find dear because, you know, when you go to somebody's house and you just walk in and you're like, mm, it smells good. Yeah, okay, I like this place. Like, there's just something about creating a warm, beautiful, inviting place. And, you know, it's interesting just like how your house can reflect who you are by what, how it's decorated. I think that often my, my house and where I live can sometimes reflect the atmosphere of my heart. I can tell if I've left clutter and trash and just piles of dirty clothes all over my home that maybe there's some areas in my life and in my heart that, I, that maybe need some shifting, that maybe I need to go and I need to say, gosh, Lord, what's really going on? What is the clutter in my heart that I need to shift through, that I need to, that I need to walk into and allow you to go into? Because sometimes we are living with things that we were never meant to live with. Sometimes we live with things we were never meant to live with. So where are you living and where are you dwelling? You see, I think there are two ways that we can live our lives. There are two ways that we can live our lives. And the first is in our thoughts. We think anywhere from 50 to 70,000 individual thoughts a day. That's pretty impressive. Craig Rochelle said this quote that is truly my favorite. It says, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So what I think will inevitably lead me to a place of movement. So where are you dwelling? What are you dwelling in? What thoughts are you dwelling on? Are they thoughts of fear? Are they thoughts of insecurity, of shame, of depression, of negativity, of condemnation, of comparison? What are those thoughts that you are constantly dwelling on? Because where your strongest thought is, there you will end up also. The second place that we live is in our circumstances. And it's, when I say our circumstances, it's what's going on around us that is impacting us. What are the things that you wrestle with on a regular basis? What are your demons? What are the, the circumstances that, that you look at saying, okay, well, this is happening to me, so therefore this is who I am. Guys, I am somebody who loves to build cases. And what I mean by that is I gather evidence about, about what's going on around me, and therefore that's what is going to happen in my future. You know, for example, it's like in your relationship with your family, with your parents. I know that even in my, in my past, in my, in my relationships with my mom and dad, it has been kind of rocky sometimes. Maybe sometimes your parents have been a terrible reflection on you and you say, I don't know what my future's gonna look like because I've only ever seen it patterned this way. What are the things that you're surrounding yourself with and what are you using to speak over you over and over and over again? Is it something that happened from a breakup? Are you looking at your finances and going, well, because I don't make six figures a year, then something must be wrong with me. Gosh, I'm only ever going to live in poverty. What are the circumstances that are surrounding you? So it matters where we dwell and it matters where we live, but it also matters what we're speaking and what we are proclaiming over our circumstances, over our thoughts. As I listened to this song over and over and over again, this one phrase just kept coming up over and over again, and it was, places 
where we feel. Places, places of, of, of worship and of praise are not where we feel the most holy. Places of worship and praise are not where we feel the most clean. They are not where we are or the most put together. No, places of worship and praise can be in any place, in any thought, and in any circumstance. That is how we praise. This is what, what becoming a house of praise is meant to be like. That we are meant to, to speak over our circumstances, remind ourselves in our thoughts what's actually happening. Going, there is a plan and a hope that God has for you. Remember to take heart. I understand that our thoughts and our circumstances and the things that go on around us will sometimes get difficult. It's inevitable. The life that we live is going to get messy sometimes. But it is vastly important how we see that, how we proclaim over it, what we speak over it. In Psalms, the book of the Bible, it is just absolutely filled with story after story of of David and of different men and women who are speaking over their circumstances. And in Psalm 42, verse 5, it says this, So then, my soul, why would you be depressed? Why would you sink into despair? Just keep hoping and waiting on God, your Savior, for no matter what, I will still sing with praise, for you are my saving grace." What you are proclaiming, what you are speaking over the things that we are wrestling with is so important. Because even if our thoughts are burdened by thoughts of fear, are saturated with depression and anxiety, with comparison and doubt, they can still turn into the most beautiful shouts of praise. Because it matters what we speak over them. It matters what we speak even over our families. Your dad may have abandoned you, but that is not who your father is in heaven. He loves you. He is for you. He is with you. Look at it through that lens. Even if your earthly parents have failed you, even if money has failed you, even if a job has failed you, God will not fail you. It matters how you look at it. It matters what you proclaim. As I was thinking through this, something that just keeps on coming up over and over again is this thought of, but what if I've been stuck in my thoughts and what if I've been stuck in my circumstances for so long, I don't know what it looks like to proclaim the truth over it. I don't know what it looks like to proclaim the name of Jesus over my circumstances. I don't know what that means. How do I get there? So in, in order to be able to do this, I think that I need to ask myself this question. How is my faith? And so I would pose the same question to you. How is your faith? You see, we live in a world where doubt and cynicism and questioning is a virtue. Everything that we do is tinted with this thought of, mm, is it actually going to come through? Before we make any decision, we are always trying to find the outcome before we take the risk. We are always, I am always trying to do this, trying to figure out all this. For example, everything has reviews, which if you want to go down a deep, funny hole, that is the hole to go down online, guys. Just check out the reviews. Just recently bought an exercise bike, was checking out like the reviews on the seat, and it was like, it's not in a pain in the butt. 
And I was like, thank you so much, because it was a bike seat. You guys don't get it. It's never mind. Um, <laughs> but it's funny. Everything that we, that we have in our lives now has a review on it, right? I want to know, was it worth the money? Did it make your life better? Um, did it make you cooler? Are you satisfied with the overall purpose of the product, right? And what I have realized is that sometimes we do that with our faith. Sometimes we do that in our walk with the Lord. Maybe at one point you felt amazing in your relationship with Jesus, in your walk with God. And you were like, gosh, yes, great reviews. Jesus, amazing, love this, right? And you go along in life and you're like, gosh, this is awesome. I love this, love this product, right? But then as time went on, maybe there was a moment where there was a prayer that you prayed that didn't get fulfilled. And you're like, gosh, man, that was disappointing. Or maybe there's this hope where you keep on looking at your circumstances and you go, man, I don't, Lord, I, do you see that I really want that thing over there? Do you see it? I would really like that thing over there, but I don't have it right now, so come on, right? We get into these, these, these thought patterns and then all of a sudden there's doubt and there's questioning and there's confusion. Does God actually love me? Can God be trusted? Does he want good things for me? My life and my experiences are telling me otherwise I don't really know. But what I have discovered in my short 25 years of age is that God proves himself over and over and over again. And all that he requires of me is a simple, childlike faith. One of the best parts of this song is that when it starts out, it says, come alive. And it's the voices of children who are singing that part of the song. They're so cute. I'm like, oh, look at them. They're so cute. Come alive. Oh, so cute. Right? Oh, my gosh. I just love it so much. But as I listened to the song this last weekend, I realized, I was like, wait a minute, I think that that was there for a purpose. Wait a minute, I think that that was there on purpose. In Psalms 8, 2, in the Passion Translation, it says, you have built a stronghold by the songs of babies. Strength rises up with the chorus of singing children. This kind of praise has the power to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. A part of the reason why I come to college age on a weekly basis is yes to see you, but also to see Evercook, okay? Really, that's my favorite part of this. You'll see me nine times out of 10 chasing her around or just having her on my hip. And over the last couple weeks, she's done this really cute thing where she'll just come to me in the back and she'll reach for me as we're singing and I'll pick her up in my arms. And as I picked her up in my arms, oh, I might cry thinking about this, but um, we're just singing worship songs. And I was like, Ever, do you want to raise your hand with me? And she just raises her hand. And she's singing the song along with me. There is power in childlike worship. And man, when I felt the, pre I felt the presence of God when that child was singing. I wouldn't be surprised if she's up here one day. Jake, just taking your job, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> there is power in childlike faith. There is power in innocence. And the world will always tell us that being naive or being innocent or jumping into something without checking out the outcome is, is ridiculous, is wrong. But that's not how God works. He calls us into coming to him and, and going, I trust you, God, even if I don't understand. 
Even if I don't understand, I had to do this this last week where I was like, Lord, I don't understand what's going on. I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of doubts, but I am going to believe in you I'm, because I am convinced of your goodness. I am convinced of the character of my God. And so I'm going to do this whether I know the outcome or not. And there is always a beautiful, a beautiful reception at the end with the Lord. When, he, when we jump out in faith, he meets us right there. I can reread all the reviews I want, but trusting God is not calculated. Trusting God is not calculated. And I need to doubt my fears and trust my faith. I need to doubt my fears and trust my faith. Because there are going to be seasons of time where I will not know the outcome. I will not understand how this is going to work. But I can trust my faith because my God is good and he is for us. And there's because, it's because there's so much at stake. There's so much at stake. <clears throat> the chorus of this song says, come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. We bring everything to the feet of Jesus, everything in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. Last week, Evan said a specific phrase in his sermon, and I'm going to bring it back one more time because he said it at the end of his sermon, and I was like, hey, I wanted more of that, so I'm going to, you're welcome, I'm bringing it now. <laughs> and so the question that I, he asked is, is there something that you have buried that God wants to resurrect? Is there something that you have buried that God wants to resurrect? I am in this incredible Bible study um, that meets on Thursday nights, and we have been walking through the book of John recently. And I, on Monday morning, yesterday morning, man, I opened up my Bible, went to John 11, and there is a story in this specific book that literally applies to this absolutely perfectly. And it is the story of Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. Now, just to set the scene, Lazarus was sick, and so Mary and Martha reach out to Jesus, and they were like, hey, we know you can heal him. Could you just come show up, please, because we're really nervous about our brother. But then Jesus waits a couple of days and then goes to Bethany to meet Mary and Martha along with his disciples. And you know what happened is Lazarus ended up dying. And Mary and Martha are really confused and really, really sad. And so we're just going to pick it up where Jesus comes to meet Mary in John 11, verses 33 through 45. <clears throat> when Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet and all her friends who were with her grieving, he shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. He said to them, where did you bury him? Lord, come with us and we'll show you, they replied. Then tears streamed down Jesus' face. Seeing Jesus weep caused many of the mourners to say, Look how much he loved Lazarus. Yet others said, isn't this the one who opens blind eyes? Why didn't he do something to keep Lazarus from dying? Then Jesus, with intense emotions, came to the tomb, a cave with a stone placed over its entrance. Jesus told them, roll away the stone. Then Martha said, but Lord, it's been four days since he died. By now his body is already decomposing. Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I tell you that if you will believe in me, you will see God unveil his power. So they rolled away the heavy stone. 
Jesus gazed into heaven and said, Father, thank you that you have heard my prayer, for you listen to every word I speak. Now, so that these who stand here with me will believe that you have sent me to this earth as your messenger, I will use the power you have given me. Then with a loud voice, Jesus shouted with authority, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. Then in front of everyone, Lazarus, who had died four days earlier, slowly hobbled out. He still had grave clothes tightly wrapped around his hands and feet and covering his face. Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him loose. From that day forward, many of those who had come to visit Mary believed in him, for they had seen with their own eyes this amazing miracle. I love the picture that this gives of the heart of Jesus, of the tenderness that he has so much care for, for Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And he goes, wow, gosh, this, was, this affected them. I see how much this is grieving them, and he is grieving right along with them. God has countless promises, blessings, visions, hopes, and dreams for you and for me. You know, perhaps at one point in your life, God gave you a promise. He gave you a, a specific desire that he had put in your heart, and you were excited about it. It was a dream, a vision, a goal, and you, were, you talked about it. You, you brought it up in your friend circles. You, you prayed about it. You were intentional about it. And you were excited and filled with life and joy and hope. But then something derailed it. Whether it was words of negativity and death. Or someone looked at you and disqualified you. Or you only fixed your eyes on the promise or the vision or the goal and not on the promise giver. Or you messed up so bad that you no longer feel worthy of this dream, this hope, this vision. And so you buried that promise, that dream, that goal that God had given to you. How similar is that to Lazarus and his sisters? How similar is that? In my own life, <clears throat> I have this desire and hope and in my heart. And I remember this vividly. I was 18 and I stood at the back of this room. And I, there was this really cute guy at youth group, okay? And he, he I was like, ooh, cute, okay, as 18-year-olds do. And so I was like, I'm going to go talk to him, right? And so I started to walk towards him. And I remember vividly the Lord stopped me in my tracks and I felt in my spirit. And he goes, no, no, no. I have a man for you. I have a future marriage for you. You need to just trust me. And I was like, okay, never mind. We're going this way, right? And so I just walked away, right? And as time went on, I was like, gosh, this is awesome, Lord. Like, you have a plan for me. This is great. Love you so much. Excited about it. But then as disappointments and breakups and all those different insecurities and loneliness and frustration in my singleness came, I buried that hope. I buried that faith. I buried that, that God-given desire. And the way I buried it was I said, you know what? I'm just going to take control of it. It's got, I'm going to do my best. I'll get Bumble and we'll figure it out and it'll be fine. <laughs> right? And I was like, okay, it's good, it's good, it's good. No big deal, no big deal. But what I lost, what I buried was having a hope in the promise giver and not in the promise. The beauty in that is that just recently the Lord was like, Amy, it's time to wake up that promise. And it has nothing to do, I'm still single, it's fine. Um, it has nothing to do with the person. 
It has nothing to do with the fulfillment of the process, but what I'm doing in the waiting. And what I need to do is hold the vision and trust the process. I need to hold the vision and trust the process. And, and what the beauty that I have found in this season is that I'm just like, gosh, Jesus, I'm in love with you. Like, I love you so much. You have a plan and a purpose, and it doesn't matter what happens right now. What matters is that you are for me, and I can fix my eyes on you. And you know, it's so funny, so similar I am to Martha, right? How much I tried to make excuses to Jesus when he was trying to resurrect that hope. How Martha was like, no, 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 it's too late for me. I've done too many faithless things. Please don't, please don't. And Jesus was like, no, 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 no. Have faith. Believe in me. I can raise whatever I want in you. Have you buried? Have you buried something that God wants to resurrect? Have you buried it? What are those desires, those dreams, those visions, those hopes that God is giving to you? Will you take it and just surrender it to him? Will you take it and just surrender it to him? Which leads me to my final point. <clears throat> what are you called to? What are you called to? The final verse of the song says this. I still believe you're moving. I still believe you're speaking. God, I believe you're working all things for good. I fix my eyes on heaven. God, I receive your vision. God, I believe you're working all things for good. Tonight, you might leave this room feeling excited or inspired or ready to go or knowing that you need to go work on something, right? But there are going to be setbacks and there are going to be difficulties and there's going to be seasons of time where you feel lonely and insecure and unsure of what the future is going to hold. That's inevitable. But there needs to be a continuation of faith a continuation of worship, and a continuation of praise. And how are we going to do that? In Romans 8, verse 28, it says this. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. No matter what happens, he works it out. He has a good plan in store for you. I believe you are working all things for good. Wherever you are, wherever you've been, and wherever you're going, it will be worked out for good when you place your faith, when you place your hope in Jesus and in God. As I was going through um, this song, I looked up the, like, what was the purpose behind it? Why did Brandon Lake write it? And one of the phrases that he says is that we become a hosting place for the presence of God, for people to experience God. That's why it's so important to take a look at these different questions because we are a hosting place for God. We are a hosting place for his presence. But when my life is filled with clutter or piles of stuff that needs to be gone through, how can people experience the presence of God if I'm not willingly bringing my heart and my life to him? How are they going to experience his presence if I'm only speaking negativity and death? How are they going to experience his presence when there's a plan and a vision that God's given to me, but I refuse to let it be resurrected? 
What are you called to do in this next season? What's the purpose that he has for you? In all things, in all things, he works it out for our good. And we individually can be houses of miracles. Will you pray with me? Jesus, you are absolutely remarkable. And I just praise you for how you boost our faith, how you align our hearts back with you, how you give us hope and and plans for a future. And so God, I just ask that we would be men and women that pursue after you, regardless of what the outcome is. Father, that we would risk, we would, we would have risky faith and that we would jump into it headlong because you are worth our time. You are worth our faith and you are good and you have good plans. So Jesus, will you just help us to, to leave this place tonight and be individual houses of miracles in our own stories, in our own circumstances, in our thoughts, And would we reflect you and become great hosting places for your presence. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the College Age Movement podcast. College Age Movement's in-person gatherings meet Tuesday nights at 7, and we would love to have you there. If you are unable to join us in person, you can engage online at faithchapel.cc or follow us on our socials at collegeagemvmt.